Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to lead your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand coach and designer. And today I'm joined by the wonderful Claire Ransom, who is the founder of Lazy Flora, an online plant boutique and subscription service. If you caught the last episode, Claire and I had a wonderful conversation talking about building a brand with heart-focused values, so be sure to check that out if you haven't already. And today, Claire is going to be sharing her business journey and brand story with us. So welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so excited to hear about your business. I'm a big fan anyway. I have several plants. Some are looking healthier than others on my windowsill from Lazy Flora. So I'm really, really excited to talk about kind of the depths and where your business began. So should we start with that? Is there, was there a triggering point that inspired you to start your business? Yeah, absolutely there was. Um, so I think, you know, we, we're living in an um, increasingly urban society. So I think a lot of us are part of Generation Rent. So that's that's me as well. Um, and after leaving uni for about 10 years, I was living in rented accommodation and always dreaming of having outdoor space. You know, I'm quite a nature lover by, you know, just that's how I am. And then I really was looking for kind of an outdoor space or a balcony or a garden of any kind, but it was always prohibitively expensive or I couldn't find the right apartment. So finally moved to London, got this amazing apartment with this incredible balcony. And I was so excited about this balcony. It was just really beautiful. It was really architecturally interesting. And I had this vision of how beautiful I was going to make this balcony, this outdoor space. I wanted to treat it like an additional room in the apartment. Um, so one of the first things that I did when I got there, I wanted to put all the plants on the balcony, but I didn't know which plants to get. And I had no car, so I couldn't get to a garden centre. Um, so it was, it was quite a challenge. And my only option really was to go to a home improvement store. And when I got to home improvement stores, you know, they're big box stores. The quality of the plants was terrible. The variety was really disappointing. And there was nobody there that I could ask, what should I be putting on this balcony? Like, What are the conditions that I should be looking for so that I make sure that the plants really thrive once they're there? Um, so that was my, like, repeatedly, that was my experience. I was trying to put together this gorgeous outdoor space, but kind of floundering a little bit. And it was around the time that services like HelloFresh and Gusto and all these meal delivery services were becoming really mainstream or much more mainstream. They've been around for a while, but they were really kind of hitting the big time. And I'm a big fan of subscription boxes um, and really early adopter of services like that. So I assumed that somebody would have set up a plant subscription service that would solve this problem for me. And I Googled and Googled and Googled, and at the time, there was nothing. Um, and I was like, oh, well, that's a good idea. Somebody should do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's Somebody where the should. idea for Lazy Flora came from. <laughs> it was a problem that I wanted to solve, and nobody had solved it yet. I think that that's amazing. And I think that also the fact that not only have you identified a product that people would benefit from, but also the fact that there's a lack of education in the places where plants are available at the moment, because you can go to specialist garden centers, but to be honest, if it's me, they're usually on the outskirts of town. They're not on my usual route, unless I'm going for a mosey and a cuppa. It's not somewhere that I would necessarily go out of my way to find a plant for. Whereas 
um, with yours, you do have that education thing on how to look after the plants. And I just feel that, yeah, it's combining not only a product need, but also helping educate as well. And particularly in 2020, where people have been <laughs> in their homes and wanting to bring the outdoors in, I imagine that has been um, challenging, but hopefully helpful as well. Yeah, it has. It's it's definitely presented absolutely massive challenges. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, actually, it's it's been amazing for Lazy Flora. We, you know, the, the lockdown in the UK happened at one of the key moments for gardening. It was right before spring. It was right before Easter, which is one of the biggest gardening weekends um, of the year. And lots of garden centres had bought thousands, millions of plants and stocked up in anticipation of this very big gardening weekend. And unfortunately, we're told to shut down, weren't able to sell any of that stock. Um, so everyone who had been lo like looking forward to going to those garden centres over those weekends now had nowhere to go. They had no way of getting to a garden centre or no way of accessing plants, except for the very few existing businesses that were online selling plants whose supply was not interrupted. So we were very lucky in some senses. We planned as best we could. We were also, you know, there was just so much luck involved. We were set up in a way that our supplier was able to continue supplying with relatively little interruption. We were able to continue supplying. So we, we were also able to take advantage of this massive opportunity that came our way um, and expand the business. So. No, I think that that's brilliant. Amazing. And I love the fact that you, so I, I love gardening. Um, me and my other half, we've been growing our own fruits and veggies for the last few years, because again, like you, when we, when I started out in my business, I was in rental accommodation. I had been for years after uni and everything else. And we had never had that space or that freedom because you have those restrictions in rentals where you can't yeah. go and dig around in the garden too much, yeah. you put it back. So having an opportunity, particularly over this year where we weren't able to, we had a few issues with growing from seeds this year, we're still learning, but we were still able to get our fruit and our veg from somewhere that was delivered to our door. It was brilliant. I absolutely loved that. So I love the fact that you managed to not only pivot and continue with your supply chain because of the way that you had set up your business, but also the fact you were able to introduce things that other people were missing out on and yeah, I think that being able to identify the needs of your consumers continually and seeing that that's where you started your business and still continuing that as you progress is just, it's just absolutely wonderful to see. I'm so glad Thank that you. you carried on growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think you might have picked up on something at the very beginning of lockdown that we did. And um, when you're talking about edible plants, um, um, that was one of the first things that we did because we'd had this plan in the pipeline for, well, for as long as Lazy Flora has existed, you know, there's, there's always, I'm always planning. I've got so many plans for where I want this business to go and all the products that we're going to eventually introduce, but obviously we're not planning to do it all right now. We would had this plan in the pipeline to introduce edible plants in some way. And I was expecting that we would probably do that in 2021. We'd introduce it in the spring of 2021. But then of course lockdown happened and I personally just felt this massive urge to, I, I wanted to plant stuff that would grow and that I could eat it. Um, and I, we were just inundated by people telling us the same thing because at the beginning of lockdown as well, I don't know whether we, it's hard to remember now because it's such a long time ago, but we were all very afraid. There was a real atmosphere of fear 
We didn't know whether the supermarkets were going to run out of food. We didn't know whether there was going to be interruptions in the supply chain. So for about two or three weeks, there was really like a huge amount of uncertainty. And people started taking steps to kind of make their lives more sustainable or insulate themselves from that uncertainty. And one of the things that people were looking for was edible plants. So we we just wanted to really help people as best we could. And we're very lucky that we're in a position to be able to scoop up some of the, you know, some of the, the stock that was available in the UK, which was very hard to come by and sell it to our customers. So yeah, it was quite an adventure. It's brilliant. I think that is absolutely fantastic that I know that this year has been hard on a lot of business and I think anything that is a product business and anything that is what you would class as a luxury business, which essentially is kind of anything that's not food, water, um, it it really was quite a scary time. And seeing how you've managed to accelerate your plans is quite, you know, it's really inspiring to see that it was something that you had wanted to do in the future, but you managed to pull that together a lot sooner. So... Well, there... I mean, it was, it was like, there was definitely like a, the opportunity, but there was also a huge amount of fear. It's like, as a business owner, I was terrified of losing the business. So yeah. it, was an, it was a necessary step mm. that I took, that I saw that this is like the only way forward. We have to do this. Otherwise, the consequences are, are massive. You know, the business might not survive. So it was partly that. It was partly innovation. It was partly necessity. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious, though. So having gone through that and having to take those steps forward out of necessity, as you've said, does that mean that you are now considering accelerating any other plans that you've had in the future? Is that something Absolutely. that now you're, you're kind of thinking, well, if I can do this, maybe this? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges as a business owner I'm increasingly discovering is managing your time and not biting off more you can more than you can chew and it, the temptation to introduce all these products that you've got ideas for is massive because you know how like I know I've got some like ideas that are coming up probably for next year that I'm desperate to introduce now because I know that they would be really exciting and I'm really excited about them but I also know that we've got really cool products coming up in the next few months and we need to focus on those um and not try and and really intentionally not overstretch so yeah I mean the ideas are ideas are easy and they're fun but the execution is the bit you've got to be really disciplined about and not do too much yeah. no absolutely so taking out of context like taking 2020 out of out of the way because it's been a bit of an anomaly yeah. When you were establishing Lazy Flora, were there any specific kind of challenges or any specific successes that you feel you kind of came across quite early on that have kind of led to where you are now? Uh, definitely. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things that I really learned to follow was like instinct and treat that as far more of a priority than I had done in my previous life. Because before I started Lazy Flora, I worked in publishing and various different um, like technology marketing type jobs. Um, and a lot of the time in those jobs, I was I felt like my instinct was kind of suppressed and I wasn't allowed to listen to it because what the business required was for me to present this particular 
you know, persona. Um, so that for me was one of the biggest things that has changed and, and is, has been one of the biggest breakthroughs. And, and that has enabled all of these brilliant things. Well, for me, I, I feel like they're brilliant. Um, like these brilliant discoveries that I've made in terms of suppliers, you know, it's all felt a lot more effortless than I ever thought it could. You know, starting a business is really hard, but if you follow that instinct and do the things that feel joyful, that goes a long way as well. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, love that. I love that so much. I love it when our business can bring us joy. And I think that yours is the epitome of it, where it's been, everything has been founded from um, something that you're passionate about. And I think that that can really make the difference. When you had the idea and the concept of setting up Lazy Flora, what was the process that you went through from changing from the corporate world to being a self-employed business owner? That was a massive change. Like it's such a cultural shift, but all, I think COVID has shown a lot of people what that change looks like though. I agree. Um, like everyone working at, working from home. That for me, when I left the corporate world and started working at home, all the changes that you have to make, all the self-discipline you have to develop to, you know, so that you don't end up working 24 hours a day. Although I've probably slipped a bit on that recently. Um you know, you have to put these systems in place. There were days that I would sit at my desk for like seven hours and not get up. And that like, you have to remember to stand up and like go for a walk or make some food or, you know, things like that. That was a really big shift for me. Um, I thought I would be more lonely than I was. I just got so into the work that I didn't feel lonely. Um, and I was still able to see my friends. And um, yeah, that that was quite a big part of it as well. But but the biggest thing is really like that self-discipline and how do you work from home and make progress and also not go crazy. Yeah, I absolutely agree that that's something that I found quite challenging. And I know that a lot of others and probably a lot of the listeners will find challenging as well is it's trying to balance. And there's something that I see very frequently on social media. It's like, how do I stay motivated? What do I do for motivation? It's like, you don't need motivation. You need dedication. Because dedication will be there when motivation lacks. Okay. And that was something that I learned where it's like, I love my business and I feel motivated by my business. But there are days where that motivation can be either the motivation to work or the motivation to stop working, depending on Mm. what kind of person that you are and how you choose to work. And having that discipline really does help. Um, And finding the balance between being on your own, but also making the most of having that freelance lifestyle that you can go out and you can have an extended lunch break if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And really enjoying it and like treating life as like the adventure that it is rather than it being just total grind and completely re- like routine and regimented. Yeah, um, That was also like find the fun and the joy. That was a really big part of it as well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, finding the joy in what you do is something that I think we all want to strive for, whether you're in employment or not. But I find that it's easier in self-employment to find the joy as long as you can kind of get through the challenges that do come along as well. From Like you've said, the mindset side of things can be really challenging. But once you kind of break that down, then I feel like it it really makes a better quality of life when you're working for yourself if you find that balance yeah I think you're right so when it comes to actually setting up a business that is product-based and subscription-based was there anything specific that you came across that you weren't expecting 
Um, yeah, so subscriptions is really complicated. Um, and I seem to have made it, at the very beginning, I think I made it a whole lot more complicated than I realized. Um, you need like you need financial help, you need financial models from the start in order to be able to understand the model and in order to be able to understand there are you know such key metrics that can they can bankrupt you very quickly if you don't pay attention. You know, you have to be on top of things like your customer acquisition cost. You have to know how long customers are going to stay around because you have to know how much future revenue you can anticipate from a particular customer. Um, and you have to know whether there's going to be a cash deficit at the beginning of that customer lifetime. Um, and if there is, you're going to have to take action very quickly or you're going to end up in a really difficult situation. So I didn't go in blind, but I also didn't appreciate how complicated the subscription model is or how little expertise there is out there about subscriptions and how to set up a good financial model. Um, if I was going to do that again, that would probably be the first thing that I put in place. That's really, really insightful. I think that anyone that's listening, because subscriptions are becoming more and more popular, particularly with lockdown, where people are kind of staying in their homes a lot more, even now, even though most of the lockdown rules are being relaxed and then not relaxed and then relaxed again. I think that that uncertainty is allowing us to have the subscriptions for convenience as well as necessity. Um, and I know that memberships are also on the rise. So you have the subscription model for a lot of product-based businesses that are launching, and then you have the membership model for a lot of uh, service-based businesses that are launching. So that's really interesting to know that there are very specific metrics that are really helpful with that, which yeah. kind of have to be, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. So that for, for a subscription-based business, like a product-based business, the key things you've got to be all over are your customer acquisition cost, mm -hmm. your churn rate. You need to know how quickly people are leaving and your customer lifetime value. And if you've got those three things, you, you can figure out pretty quickly where you're going to be and whether, you know, whether or not you're going to have a cash problem. Mm. Brilliant. No, that's really, really helpful and really insightful. Um, when it comes to how your business has kind of changed since you originally started, is it just that it's been accelerated or is it have things happened that you never would have, I'm, admittedly this year is an anomaly, <laughs> but is there yeah. anything within the business from a business sense of view, point of view that you're like, oh, I would never have imagined that this would be where my business is now or have you been quite Yeah, clear? so I think from a product perspective I was always quite clear on what we would deliver and how we would deliver it um, and to be honest we're still not quite there there's still a long way for us to go to really have built the product that I dreamt of when I first set out um, you know when I was first thinking about Lazy Floor there's a lot more personalization there's a lot more tailoring that we will do um, for the Lazy Floor product so from that point of view we're not a million miles off the things that came for me that were less expected were customer reaction and and that relationship with the customers i did not expect to feel the warmth from customers that we do um i thought it would be quite transactional you know i thought you know i didn't expect that we would get people leaving rave reviews on trustpilot or before we were even on trustpilot i didn't expect that people would email us to say I've just received my plants. They're so wonderful. I just had to tell you and sending us a bunch of photographs or if there's been some pivotal moment in their life 
and a plant delivery has has really affected them in in some way like if they've had a really upsetting event like there was a lady whose dog had died and the plants had arrived and she just said you know she just wanted to share that with someone and I did not expect stuff like that but they hit a nerve like they really like it's a reason to continue as, as much as anything yeah that that relationship with customers and really un- like feeling that there are real people and you're making a difference to people's lives that I did not anticipate at all and it's one of my favorite parts of the business yeah that's really um, beautiful <laughs> that is um just feel incredibly lucky that we've got such lovely customers as well um and the other side of that is the team um I've not managed a business before definitely not a business of this size I've managed a few teams in my corporate life and I really enjoyed it but being able to choose the people around me and choose that you know we've got the right skills and just be blown away by how good the team are and how dedicated they are and how much they believe in the brand that again I did not anticipate and and again it's like the biggest motivator yeah yeah I think that a lot of that speaks volume of the brand that you've actually built which is definitely something that I want to talk about as well because where you are such a heart-focused business where you are all about those values I think that that is why your customers are going to be reciprocating that to you and hearing the stories of where you've had those personal emails I mean it makes me feel like I can't stop smiling listening to the way that you're talking about it because it just kind of exudes the joy from it which is wonderful So when it comes to your actual brand and your actual branding for the business, both visual and kind of your values and everything, was that something that you were very clear on from the start or was that something that kind of developed over time? So, yeah, so I was very clear on what I wanted the, had a very, very clear idea of what I wanted our Lazy Flora boxes and logo to look like. From the very start, I knew it needed to be rustic. It needed to be tactile and it needed to like I just felt very drawn to brown cardboard and like that kind of industrial art but artistic look um so it took me quite a long time to develop the logo and I had to do I mean this was in the very very early days of Lazy Flora this was nearly four years ago now that I developed the logo it's before the brand you know before we ever started selling anything um, and I had to do it on a shoestring. I think I paid about £50 for a logo um, <laughs> to be developed. And that's what we've worked with ever since. But the colour scheme was really important to me. It had to be something that spoke to me and worked for me as a person because that's all I had at that point in time. It was just me. Um, and there's nobody else on the team. There's nobody else guiding it. So it had to be like a colour that worked for me that I thought would appeal to me if I was a customer. And um, I also chose a hibiscus flower for the logo because it's my favorite plant. I just, when I see it and when I see it printed in the way that it is on the logo, like it looks like it's a stamp. Um, I, I just, that for me evokes images of Hawaii, holidays, tropical, art, creativity. And that was what I was trying to capture. Um, I think, yeah. So I'm, pleased with that like it will need to evolve in time um and the packaging yeah we've got some work to do there (laughs) but (laughs) all in good time all in good time we've got some quite exciting stuff coming up over the next few weeks we've got some um, printed packaging for the first time which I'm really excited about um 
And that's one aspect of the brand. The thing that I've struggled with in terms of brand um, has been photography and like making sure that the the photography of our products matches up with what I want the brand mm-hmm. overall image to be. Yeah. Um, and I still don't think we've quite nailed it. So we've got some work to do there. That's interesting. I love the fact that you're you've started off with something that was very personal to you and it's just grown. And I feel like the way that you're building your business, you the way that you speak about it is very much you always put yourself in your customer's shoes and you're always thinking about and and to be honest I get the feeling that when this started because you were your first customer this was built because it was a gap in the market that you were looking for yeah exactly yeah having that customer centric and being very clear on what you wanted the visuals and the feeling to be like and I think that that's the key it's the feeling you knew how you wanted the, the brand to feel um and I think that I mean photography packaging everything like that it does develop over time of course it will because your budgets change and your uh, business changes and evolves and the products that you get will adapt and it's just that as the world and as the business develops the brand can grow with that to support it Um, and it's wonderful to hear that even now you're still looking at the rustic side but just trying to where's the next step where's the next place that we can take it to really enhance the product um and I think that that's something that's super key for anyone who does run a product service it's the packaging and the branding is there to is there to amplify the product and the feeling for the customer experience it's not there just to be kind of just there Mm -hmm. that makes sense um, awesome. So are there any stories that you have around um, marketing or branding in particular? Is there any time that your marketing has really kind of taken off? Is there anything in particular you feel that you've done that has been really beneficial for the business growth? Interesting. Um, there are certain things that have worked really well. Um, competitions work yeah. pretty well in terms of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, we've got a really, we've got a really cool thing that's coming out soon, which is going to be a, like a plant selector quiz, mm-hmm. um, which I'm really excited about. And I'm hoping that's going to be like a new chapter in our marketing technique because it's just, it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Okay. So the, yeah, that wasn't a very satisfactory answer, but one thing that does work really well for us is always when we return to fun as a concept. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that is very, very difficult because when you're running a business, the like time is your biggest, <laughs> biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, and finding the time to insert fun can be quite a lot of effort because if you want to write like a playful email or a playful social media post, you really have to sit down and really think about it and like plan it out, make sure you've got the imagery right. And if there are consequences of, you know, posting that and you want people to do something like you want them to click on a link or um, if you want to invite them to take a survey or anything like that or or comment below, you've got to think of what the next step for that person is and how it like how it's going to make them feel and what they're going to want to do as a result. So that's been. Yeah, that's a challenge, but it works really well. It, It encourages brand engagement and loyalty and we also learn quite a lot about our customers that way. Um, that we learn that they're not just these serious people that are kind of hidden at the end of a computer. When we send an email around with a teaser encouraging people to try and guess 
what the next plant of the month is. Like the engagement on those emails is massive. <laughs> and it's just a silly little throwaway thing that we just put out there a couple of times and just thought nothing of. Like, I actually thought people are going to think I'm so silly for doing this. <laughs> and we put it together quite quickly. <laughs> but the response that came back was, was just like, well, yeah, actually this is, this is really like fun and people are really responding to it. So we've got to do more of stuff like that. So fun, basically. We've got to make I it love, fun. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you, um, I love the guessing games in it. I think that that's the <laughs> genius way of getting people involved because I've sat there before with one of those emails. I'm, I love plants. I don't recognize a lot. If it's not a tomato and it's not a spider plant, I'm a little bit kind of unsure on my feet, <laughs> but I'm learning. But with yours, there have been times when I'm sat there and it's like, oh, I think that looks like one I bought for my mum like a year ago. It's like, mum, where's the tag? What's it called? So, yeah, I find it, it, does, it does get that engagement up. And I think involving your customer, again, it's all about involving your customer and bringing them into being part of it is yeah. a really beautiful way to build that engagement in an authentic way. And in a really subtle way, it kind of feeds into the education piece as well, because what we always want to be doing is like helping people expand their plant knowledge, but in a really fun way that doesn't feel like classroom learning or like necessity learning. So, yeah, if if you had to go out of your way to ask your mum what the name of that plant was, Mm -hmm. perhaps you'll remember it next time. You know, perhaps you won't, but that's also (laughs) fine. But the more times that happens, the more chance there is of, of you kind of just expanding that knowledge just a tiny bit at a time that it doesn't feel intimidating. Yeah, I think that everything that you've got set up on your website really helps and leans towards that as well. Everything from separating it out from the pet-friendly and the not-pet-friendly plants, because that's something that it's always made me feel nervous about having house plants because I have house cats. Um, And Arkham in particular will chew on anything, which is why my bathroom has the most plants anywhere in the house, because we try it somewhere and then it's like, does it get destroyed by the cat? Yes, it goes in the bathroom. So it's trying to educate to make sure that the plants that I'm introducing to my house for me are also safe for my cats. And you make that very easy. Whereas there have been other plant places where I've tried to purchase plants and I've had to spend so much time Googling to find out whether it would be safe for my cats that they've actually lost out on a sale because they're not making it easy for me as a customer. They haven't thought from a customer point of view um so yeah I think that it's good to know yeah it it does take quite a lot of research so we've got our go-to places that we rely on that are we consider reliable but if you don't know about those you know and and one of those is the American um the ASPCA so it's like the equivalent of the RSPCA but the American version they've got a very extensive online database of plants that are toxic to pets and not every plant that you're going to look up is in that database and there are several others that we've kind of got that we look up as well but if you don't know that exists and you don't know it's a reliable source how can how do you know where to trust on the internet as well because the number of articles that I've read telling me that a particular plant is safe for pets and I know for a fact that I can look it up on this database and it's not safe like it may not be highly toxic but it's not what I would consider safe or non-toxic so yeah it's being really clear about the difference as well yeah Brilliant. Okay. So the last thing that I'll do before we kind of wrap up, because I think that there's, there's a huge amount in there and I love the fact that it's all been very customer centric was 
if there's a key piece of advice that you would give to someone who's kind of uh, starting out on their business journey, what would it be that you would share with the listeners? Um, okay, so my experience is really in product-based businesses, and that's really quite different from a service-based business. So that's I'm going to gear that the advice to people who are thinking of starting product-based businesses. Um, you have to love it. You have to love it. You have to dream it. You have to want it more than anything that you've ever wanted in your life because it's the hardest thing you'll do. However, it's also the most fun, rewarding, fulfilling thing that you could possibly think of doing. So if you've got any hesitation, just go ahead and get started. Like just put one foot in front of the other. It's not going to be like a billion dollar business tomorrow. So don't like stress yourself out and have that kind of expectation on your shoulders that you've got to be the next Elon Musk or anything like that. It just has to be what it is for you and yeah. And enjoy the, enjoy the process. I love that. I think that that's brilliant advice. And I think that it's very easy to find advice for service-based businesses, but product-based businesses, it, like you said, it is a completely different entity. So that's really, really helpful. Um, so that's brilliant. Uh, where can our listeners find more about you online? Where would you, where would you direct them to? They can go to www.lazyflora.com. That's the Lazy Flora website. Um, and if you're interested in following us on Instagram, we're at lazyflora.uk. Perfect. That's brilliant. So thank you so much for sharing your business journey and your brand story with me today. That's just amazing. I've loved having this conversation with you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it too, Tammy. Brilliant. So listeners, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this conversation and anything else that you'd love to share about your business story. So head on over to the Brand Lounge Instagram, which is at the Brand Lounge Club, or head over to our Facebook community where we can continue the conversation. Tune in next Tuesday, where I'll be joined by Kaylee Meadows from Koala Marketing, and we'll be talking about social responsibility and sustainability as a small business. And hit that subscribe button so you can be notified whenever the episodes go live. Um, If you've enjoyed this, please leave a review. Make sure you head over to Lazy Flora and check them out. And I will see you next time on The Brand Lounge.